Welcome to the Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast, inside the business, buzz, and brilliance of Black entrepreneurs. Here is your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Innovative Thinkers, episode number 410, Innovative Thinkers. Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Imagine taking your personal and professional life experiences and turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones to achieve the life you desire. Also known as your season of greatness, you want to join and listen now with Wendy Gladney. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you today. Thank you. I have given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about your business and you? Well, Dr. Richards, thank you so much. I've actually been in business for over three decades, and I started as an event management company. And I started also including doing community relations and strategic engagement. And then about 2009, I segued into doing more coaching as well as strategic engagement personally for clients instead of just for their organizations or businesses. And over time, people started asking me, well, you know, Wendy, I know there's more. I know there's some things that I'm looking to do. Not quite sure what that looks like. And I was wondering, could you maybe help me? And at first I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And the more I thought about it, and as my life continued to segue and change, I started to realize, especially we as women have various seasons in our life. And I was going through some things personally, and I was talking to various friends and people that I call my kitchen cabinet, which would be my inner circle. And, you know, I said, you know, I just feel like sometimes I do so well in some areas and some other areas. I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm falling down. And they said to me, they said, you know what, Wendy, every time I think of you and every time I imagine the different things that you go through, you always come out greater. And it was almost like a light bulb came on. I was like, ding, ding, ding. And because I didn't see it that way, Dr. Richards, you know, I was just like, oh gosh, I've got to improve in this and that and so forth. And I I went to my prayer closet and I started talking to the Lord about, Lord, what's next? And not only for me, but for the assignment that you have for me as I continue to journey here on this earth. And it came to me season of greatness. And I started researching it and looking into it. And I realized that there was no one that already had that name and at least as a trademark or as a website so forth. So I just started kind of like grabbing it and said, let me just hold on this for a minute. And then I started thinking about the other areas of my life. So I have a nonprofit called Forgiving for Living, and we help young women between 10 and 17, pretty much a junior high school, but it's actually including some of our young ladies, even down into elementary school. And we help them through mentorship. We prepare, help prepare them for college. We expose them to other women leaders so that they can see examples of who and what they can be. And I started saying, you know what? I need to help them start thinking about their seasons and season of greatness as well at a very young age. And so for me now, my focus is really on helping women become their best selves and find 
what is deep inside and to understand we can have various seasons of greatness. You don't have to have just one because throughout our lifetime, we experience different things. And ultimately, I know we'll probably get back to this. I believe it goes back to three words, meaning, message, and mission. When we understand our meaning in life, which is why we're here, it allows us to develop our message, which is basically what we say and do every day. And then it allows us to carry out our mission, which is purpose. What is your zone of genius? Oh my goodness. You just threw that out of left field. Let me see. My zone of genius. I've never really thought that through. I don't think I've ever even been asked that question. And another way to think about it, Coach Wendy, is what is your superpower? That's what I was, you know, thinking about when you said that, because I just got recently asked by a young lady, how do you do everything you do? And I think overall, when you stated as what is your superpower, it always goes back to being kind, forgiving, and for me, just keeping the Lord first. Because when I do that, he kind of opens and takes care of everything else. So I would say that would be my superpowers. Just really, I try to be kind every day. And I really focus on trying to find the good in people and forgive, which is why our nonprofit is called Forgiving for Living. Because when you learn to forgive, it helps your life to uh, at a whole different level. And that's really profound with the nonprofit and just what you're doing when you talk about being kind and really sewing into the lives of these young women, because mm -hmm. we are in an environment right now where it's, it's cruel. It's not kind. Right. Talk to someone in the audience, their parent, their grand grandparent raising children in this generation. What advice would you give them? That's a good question because I am a parent and I am a grandparent and I was raised by a grandparent. So that is near and dear to my heart. And I would say, first of all, be who you are. Don't try to be at your child or grandchild's level. In other words, be the parent, be the grandparent, teach them. Don't be afraid to step up and realize your position in their life because they need that. They need that so much, but we try so hard sometimes to be friends with our kids or our grandchildren, and we want them to like us, and I don't want to hurt them, and I don't want to say anything to offend them, and that's not our role. Our role is to guide. Our role is to, to share, to teach, to protect, and of course, along that journey, you do become friends, and you do become very close. I'm very close to my children and my grandchildren, but I don't let them forget I'm mommy and I'm, I'm grandma. I mean, I'm there. I, I'm called Mimi as a grandmother and don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. And also communicate, speak with them, talk to them, spend time with them. We can't expect them to listen to us or take our advice, especially as they get older, if we're not willing to, to listen to them. We have to sow into them, which is our time, our experiences, sometimes even our finances of helping them to do and be and go where they need to, you know, go and, and become and so forth. So I would say spend time with them because really at the end of the day, Dr. Richards, we all run out here and we do all these different things and we have to make money or whatever. But when all is said and done, actually more is said than done. 
And we really want our legacy to live on. And our legacy lives on through those we touch. And we first start touching those that are our family and closest to us. So so into that, you know, make sure that you're spending time and that's part of your harvest. Speaking of legacy, when it's all said and done, Coach Wendy, how do you want to be remembered? That I cared, that I was kind, that I forgave, that I made a difference in your life. Because our paths cross, your life was a little bit better. Speaking of impact, how do you make impact daily? <sighs> That's a loaded question too. I, again, I try to touch someone's life just about every day, no matter how busy I am, no matter what I'm involved in, where I go, what I'm doing. I try to stop and think who needs a kind word today? Who can I send a card or a note to? Not just a text, not just a email, but actually sit down and write a little note and say, I'm thinking of you. Or if you need something, reach out, let me know. I try periodically to go through my phone, through my address book, whatever. And I start thinking about who have I not touched base with in a while? And then I try to stop and and reach out to that person and give them a call or write them a note and say, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking of you. And then another way is my grandmother taught me when I was a young girl to, as I continued to matriculate through life, to always live below your means. Don't live to the capacity financially of what you can do so that you always have a margin. You always have a little bit to share with others when they're in need. And it's not all about just you. And so I've tried to live my life that way. So when someone's in need that is in my life or someone that I know contacts me and says, hey, I know this young family, they're in trouble, they need help, this young girl, what have you, that I can definitely share and be a part of the solution. You've been in business for a while. Mm -hmm. What do you attribute to you, the longevity of your business? Many things. One, because I do believe all the different roads I've taken in business were led by the Lord. The Lord has guided me as it relates to what he wants me to do. And I've tried to follow. And it doesn't mean it's always been easy, but I don't give up and I continue to move forward. The other thing is having your village, your tribe, people that support you along your journey and don't forget them. Like, Sometimes when we get to certain plateaus or positions, we forget where we've come from. We forget those who helped us get to where we are today. I try to never do that. I always, I'm always grateful, thankful. I stop and I think again about, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And when you do that, you stay on people's minds. And, you know, it's kind of like, I, I believe it was Maya Angelou said, you know, people may forget what you do and what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And if you feel, if you help people feel appreciated, needed, wanted, they remember you. And so a lot of my business has also been repeat business from some of the same clients and people that as they transition and go into other opportunities, they either advance in their current career or start a new job, they remember me. And so they talk to me and bring me in and say, Hey, Wendy, do you have time to help us with this project or with this? I would say again, goes back to being kind, thoughtful, and remembering where you come from and who's been there for you. Who's your ideal client? 
it's someone who listens, <laughs> you know, because sometimes people, they want information and then you start helping them and coaching them and providing, but then they don't listen because they already have their minds made up. And so then sometimes I'm like, okay, so what part do I play in this? Because you're not listening, you know? And they say, well, I need a sounding board. I said, okay, I'll just listen then, you know? And also I really like someone that is excited about what they do, because when they're excited about what they do, they have a hunger where they want to grow. They want to become better. They want to reach their full potential. And so I love sewing into that and trying to help their dreams come true. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or business that's dominating that you admire and why. It's interesting. There are so many people now that are actually in the field that I am in, which is coaching and also consulting. My husband was once talking about that when people sometimes either don't know what they want to do or they have been let go for a, a job, all of a sudden they become a coach or a consultant. And I was like, no, I mean, some of us actually go to school and this is, and we get the certifications and the training to do the things that we're doing. We didn't just say, oh, this job over here didn't work. So let me try this. So what I would say is with the brands that are out there that I really admire are women that are uplifting women, because although there's been a lot of advancement for women in the workplace or just in society in general, we still have a ways to go as it relates to true equality and also realizing that we belong in the room. And I know several women that I've worked with, and I'll even say even with myself, that sometimes we've been challenged with what's called the imposter syndrome. And we feel like, how did I get here? Or am I a token because they needed to have a woman and what have you? So women that are uplifting women really speaks to my heart. Also men that really understand the value of what we bring to the table and understanding that if you don't bring us to the table, we'll build the table and bring it ourselves because we have a lot to offer. I was in a conversation with a gentleman yesterday in a meeting and he was saying to me that I'm not that organized. I don't really do that well with follow-up. And he was going on and talking about that. He says, I'm so glad I have a good assistant and a wife. And I'm like, why is that your assistant's job and your wife's job to do your follow-up? So sometimes we have been marginalized and not appreciated for really our leadership and what we bring to not just the table, but society and the situations that are at hand. Oftentimes, even if we're not given the credit, we're the ones behind the scene that are smoothing a lot of rough terrain. Talk about your top two mentors or influencers and what lessons did they teach you? My first would always go back to my grandmother. My grandmother, her name is, even though she's gone on, is Rebecca Ruth Reed Harris. And she's first generation born free in our family. She was born right around the turn of the century in the early 1900s. And her father was born in 1861. So she and my grandfather eventually migrated from the South to California in hopes of a better life and so forth. But 
that woman was amazing. She lived to almost be a hundred years old. She had nine children. I don't even know how many great grandchildren, great grandchildren, so forth. And I was raised by my grandmother because of my parents, their life and their issues. And she sewed into me the importance of the Lord, family and education to be kind to people, to be careful on how you judge because you don't know what that person's been through and to always try to be my best. My grandmother was not a lovey-dovey kind that, you know, come sit up under me and hug me and everything, but I knew she loved me and she sewed into me. And one of my favorite memories and pastimes with her was she used to like for me to sit when I was a little girl, sit on top of the couch and she would sit between my legs and for me to brush her hair and to comb her hair. And I love that because then during that time, it's also when she would share with me family history. And today I am the historian in our family. And because I love legacy, I love history, I love family history. I believe she put the core values into my life that have kept me through my journey. The second person that I would think of, I met one time in passing, but I didn't have a relationship with her, but I loved her quiet spirit of leadership. And that was Miss Rosa Parks. And in my house, I actually have two photos of her, really big. And one is the first famous picture of her sitting on the bus. And then I happened to have bought from an artist that had the opportunity to sit with her. And her last portrait that was professionally done by an artist, I actually bought that. And it's so I have her first photo from when she entered the civil rights movement. And then I have her last painting that was done by a famous artist that had the opportunity to sit with her. So I just loved her spirit. And even when I met her in person one time, just her gentleness. And yet she didn't ask to be in that position. You know, if you really read a lot about her, she didn't, she wasn't trying to do that. She was chosen. She was asked. She didn't ask. And she had a commitment and she was willing to stand by that commitment for the rest of her life. And so I think oftentimes we forget about the commitments that we make not only to others, but even to ourselves. And if we are really serious about why we're here and we're not playing, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have fun and have vacations and all that. Yes. But that life is more than just about you and that are you going to make an impact that makes a difference even after you're gone? Will somebody say your name? I have a, a friend, she's a coach, and she started something called We See You, or I See You, We See You. And will someone see you? Will they see what you're doing and make and that you're making a difference? And making a difference doesn't mean that you have to touch thousands of people. You can touch one person, and that one person ends up being somebody who makes a big difference in the world. But are you sewing into someone? Where you want to have an attitude of gratitude, you talked about kindness, and I want you mm -hmm. to have a thank fest, and I want you to thank people and situations that have impacted your life. I have had various seasons, and when I think back even to the beginning, I go back to thanking my grandmother. When my parents dropped the 
the ball on on raising me and so forth. She picked it up and she made sure that I didn't fall through the cracks and that I wouldn't be a statistic and that I would be able to live a full life. I was actually born in my mother's sixth month of pregnancy and I was only two and a half pounds. They didn't think I would even live. My mother was on drugs. She was an alcoholic and everything. And my grandmother always said, God has a purpose for you. There's a reason you live. And there's more I could even say, but I will be forever thankful to Rebecca, my grandmother. We called her mother dear. And then along my journey, I would even say that I'm thankful even and grateful for the lessons I've learned even in my failures. Because I think sometimes we even learn more from our failures than from our successes because we stop and think about them. And I've had quite a few failures. And I'm grateful that I was able to come through that and that I learned the lesson. You know, it's almost sometimes I ask people, did you go through that or did you grow through that? Because if you grow through something, then you'll come out on the other side better. But if you just go through it, God's going to keep teaching you that lesson until you get it. And so I'm thankful that I was able to grow through my mistakes, my tragedies, you know, my failures, etc. I'm thankful for my husband and his patience with me and how he sows into me and wants the best for me. I'm thankful for my children and the lessons I've learned from being their mother because, you know, no one can touch you like your children and your grandchildren in terms of your heart that can build it up or hurt you. And I've learned, I've learned a lot when I stop and reflect on just being a mother and a grandmother. And then I'm thankful to my, my village, my community, because through various points of my life, they've been there. And so I'm grateful because they've supported my work. They've challenged me. They've been my cheerleaders as well as my teachers and, and I'm grateful for that. And then I would say also, I'm grateful for the lessons I learned growing up in church. There's nothing like the memories of growing up in an environment that you can learn not only about the Lord and a relationship with God, but just, for example, when we were little, we had little speeches for Easter and Christmas and all of that. Well, those are some of our first lessons on how to do public speaking. There's just certain things that we don't really understand till we look back on our lives. And if you were really involved in church and, you know, if you become on the usher board, you know, you learn how to work with the group, you learn how to follow instructions, just various lessons that you learn as it relates to. And that's when you can also make mistakes and they just like, it's okay, baby. That's okay. I took piano lessons when I was a little girl, my grandmother made me and everybody in the family knows I am the one with the least skills when it comes to music. And so we went to a Baptist church and at night we went to something called BTU, Baptist Training Union. And the oftentimes would not have adults that played the piano there. So my grandmother's like, go over there and play the piano. And I knew a couple of songs. That's it, you know, from the hymnal. And I was always messing up, but the older people in the church, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Go ahead. That's okay. So your confidence starts building because you're like, well, they said it's okay. So let me keep trying. So the lessons 
that you learn in the various entities that you go through in life and experience, they're valuable. And some things people can share with you about, you know, I did this and this happened, but then there's some things that you have to go through for yourself. We know entrepreneurship is a lot of risk and a lot of rewards. Talk about your worst moment in business and what was your takeaway? Dr. Richards, I've I've always really tried to learn to pivot. So when you say worse, I don't really know if I've had a worse because when things were changing, I just learned to pivot. But I would say if I needed to give you an answer on that question was at one point I had an office and I had seven full-time employees. And because the economy changed, I had to begin to downsize and I had to let go of my office. I had to let go of my employees. I I think back then I kept one or two and I had to let everyone go. But the reason why I would say it really wasn't the worst period was because I knew around six months, I knew I had about six months that I was going to have to then shut that down and pivot and so forth. And I began working out of my home. But I gave everybody the opportunity to find another job, to find employment. And even while they were working for me during that period or that season, I said, if you get an interview, don't lie to me. Just say, you know, Wendy, I have an interview today, but then I'll be back after the interview. And I said, "Okay." I mean, I, I want you to get a job. And every single person that worked with me during that period got a job. So nobody was, you know, left out in the cold or anything like that. So that's why. I can't really say I've ever had anything that was that devastating because, again, that practicing that kindness, you know, where I was like, you know, we're going to have to shut this down, but I want you to find work. So do what you have to do. Just don't lie to me and tell me you're sick, but you're out all day looking for a job. Just tell me that. And I still will pay you for that day and go get a job. But I will tell you, when all that was over, when I had to shut that office down and all the employees were gone... I was a little sad because I really, I really loved working with them and we became like a family, you know, but I'm still pretty much close to most of them. I mean, a couple of the young ladies have moved on and that was a long time ago and, and I don't know where they are anymore, but for the most part, uh, the people that have worked with me over the years are still in my life today in some way or another. I don't know if I answered the question about what lesson I would just say the lesson would be you know, always be kind to people and treat people the way you would want to be treated. So I knew that as a, at that point in my life, I was a single mom and as a single mom and and doing things, I would want someone to be kind to me as I'm trying to figure out what's my next steps. So that would be the lesson is just continue to practice treating people the way you would want to be treated. Let's take a snapshot of the last 30 days. What was your biggest win? Well, for one, I was really sick a few weeks ago and I wasn't sure if it was COVID because I had not had COVID or let me put it this way. Every time I've been tested, it's been negative, but I think somewhere over the last three years, I must've had it somewhere. And the fact that I came through that and I just was thankful to the Lord that I had another opportunity to continue to get up every day and make a difference. I think sometimes we take certain things like our health, you know, we take it for granted that everything's going to be the same all the time. And as we get older and we don't take care of ourselves, it will come back and 
bite us in the in the bottom in terms of you got to sew into yourself too in terms of your health. So that would be one of my biggest wins is just personally understanding the importance of really pausing and taking care of yourself and learning when you have to say no. And, and I hate that. I don't like saying no to people when they need something or want something, but sometimes we have to say, no, I have to pause right now and take care of myself. For me, wins a lot have to do more around family than even as an entrepreneur, because when your family is good, it allows you to have the strength and the power to go out and do what you need to do in the world. And so knowing that all is well with my family and my children, my grandchildren and so forth gives me the strength and the power to keep going and touching other lives and going after situations that we may feel are not even achievable, you know, but in the last 30 days for me, from a professional standpoint and not trying to brag, but just saying that I was on the cover of a magazine in the last 30 days. I am on a billboard right now on Crenshaw Boulevard in Los Angeles, which is a major thoroughfare. And I just had my very first professional commercials come out on television. You know, so from a professional standpoint, it's like, wow. And also it's today's, it was almost 30 days. It's like 32 days ago, I had my first major conference for Season of Greatness in Los Angeles in conjunction with the Black Business Association, the BBA. So those are some major wins from a professional standpoint. And how do you celebrate your wins? Just thankfulness. I I mean, I really haven't done anything monumental yet, like go out to dinner or buy something to commemorate it or something like that. Just sharing it with my family and then using that as a springboard to hopefully continue to move forward and do better and and make a difference. I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person, living or not. They've done so much for you. They've impacted your life. Name that person, and what are you saying to that person? Rebecca Ruth Reed Harris, my mother dear, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for sowing so much into not only my life, but all of your family and all those that came across your path. Thank you for being the example. Thank you for living out what you taught, what you preached, what you said, that you walked it every single day. Thank you for being that example in my life. Thank you for your love and thank you for your encouragement. And thank you for the legacy that you've left our family. And when family members now always say, you're just like Mother Dear, that is one of the best compliments they could ever say to me. Thank you. I love you. You talked about, Wendy, at one point you were a single parent starting a business many years ago. How did you raise capital to start your business? That's really interesting, Dr. Richards, because in 30 years, I've never needed a loan or anything of that nature to do what I do. And when I went through the divorce from my first husband, uh, who's the father of my children, I had to figure out what was I going to do? Like, how was I going to take care of me and my children? How were we not going to be a statistic? Because when I was married, I did have a business, but it was more part-time. I was more of a wife and a mom. And when I went through that divorce, I didn't have a, like abundance. I didn't have like a lot of money or anything like that. And I did not even receive alimony. So I had to figure out something. And 
I just put my focus on and I put the word out there that I was looking for work and this is what I do and I needed. And God just kept opening the doors and providing. And I lived just like I was kind of saying in the beginning, always below my means. So I always made sure that I never extended myself beyond what was very comfortable to do, even if things got a little tough. And then I saved a lot. I still do. I'm a saver. And so I saved and I just always, always just ask God to open the doors for me. And people were always kind, still are, but were kind in terms of, hey, Wendy, I heard about this opportunity. Check it out. You know, I have this, you know, work for you. Check it out or whatever. And we just, we pieced it together, my kids and I, and, and we made it. And that's how it worked for me. And also I was in a consulting service industry doing event planning and so forth, where it's not the same for entrepreneurs that have widgets or build certain things that have to have capital up front in order to uh, make their products and so forth. Mine is, my business has been more personal of my time. And I, I always made sure that I would uh, keep things affordable. And then I didn't try to do anything that I couldn't do until I had enough money saved. I didn't live on a lot of credit and things like that because I didn't want to get into a lot of debt. I think there's some good debt and needed debt, but sometimes there's also a lot of unnecessary debt that people get into. And when you're trying to build a business, you have to be very careful of that. Talk about mental wellness and entrepreneurship. That's a big one because when you're an entrepreneur, which to me in my mind is a little bit different than a small business. Small businesses usually have an office. You may have some employees and, and so forth. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, oftentimes you're solo, you're on your own and they can be a little bit interchangeable. But for the most part, when I think of the word entrepreneur, I think of people who work alone. And when you work alone, it can get lonely. You have to be mindful of your mental health and wellness by associating and having that tribe, that village, that what I call kitchen cabinet, people that you can talk to, speak to, that can help you along the way. So I would say, make sure you stay plugged in and make sure that although you're alone, you're not an island. Make sure that you take care of yourself, be free to express to people your needs. And if you're hurting or if you need something along your journey and don't be afraid to say no. What problem exists in the world today, Wendy, that you would like to solve? Helping people to understand we're more alike than different and that we can get along. And it can start with just taking a moment to get to know each other. And that's what I try to do. What does self-care look like to you? Self-care is for me is understanding your boundaries, understanding what you can do and can't do and not be afraid to speak up and share that. Because sometimes we as women, as mothers, as wives, as daughters, sisters, we take on so much that sometimes we are not taking care of ourselves because we're taking care of everyone else. And excuse me, you have to pause and take care of yourself. And sometimes that may mean you know, a staycation, you may not be able to afford to go somewhere, but you can 
surround yourself in the things that you love that fuel you and pour back into yourself. Take time to pour back into yourself so that you can pour into other people. What is the biggest takeaway you want our audience to leave with from our conversation today? I would say that never give up and that there are various seasons in your life and that while you're going through various seasons, there's sometimes what's called a waiting season that we have to wait to see what's going to happen, what's going to be the outcome. And sometimes we're in such a hurry that we always want things now, right now. And sometimes some of the best things come with a little simmering and waiting, and then you can also enjoy it. And I would say, just enjoy the journey of life. Don't always be in such a hurry for the destination that you miss all the other beautiful things that are on your path as you go through life and get to whatever that destination is you're trying to achieve. I also think that the power of forgiveness and how forgiveness can change your life forever. I just believe that I'm a living witness of that. And that when we do learn to forgive, it really frees us sometimes often even more than the other person. But sometimes it starts with us forgiving our own selves. Wendy, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I'd like you to ask the question and answer it. Dr. Richards, you did such a great job of a span of questions because you really touched on various things across the board. And my thing that I always think about that I like to also leave with people, but you did touch on it though, is about legacy and that dash between the day you came into this world and the day that you leave this world. What will that say? What will the story be as it relates to how you feel that time? that was a gift that God gave us on this earth. So for me, the question would be is, what does that dash between the day you came and the day that you left say when you're gone? And my answer would be, I would want that dash to say that I touched lives, that I made a difference, that because someone had the opportunity to be in my life and I had the opportunity to be in their life, their life was richer. And I want, that's what I really would like my life to have stood for. And uh, for my little grandbabies to be able to say, my Mimi made a difference in my life, just like how my grandmother made a difference in mine. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Rapid Round of Fun? Yes. <laughs> I'm your, ready. your ideal car. My car, Mer Mercedes SUV. Your favorite color. Fuchsia. Your favorite comfort food. Banana pudding. You relax doing what? Reading. The last movie you saw. Pass. Your favorite singer or rapper. Luther Vandross. Your favorite dance song? Pass. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Tea I drink every day. But food, it's usually some piece of fish. Workout or hit the couch? <laughs> hit the couch. I'm working on that one. 
Wendy Gladney, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you, and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Thank you so much, Dr. Richards. You can go to any of my social media outlets on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and it's Wendy Gladney. In my bio has my link tree. But if all of that still fails you, just go to wendygladney.com and you can reach out to me. It'll tell you all about what I'm doing, how to contact me, how to connect with me and how we can do business together. And I thank you for just this opportunity. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Black Entrepreneur Experience. We would love for you to leave a review and rating on iTunes and share with your friends. For show notes and more episodes, go to www.beepodcast.com. Join us next Wednesday. And remember, green is the new black. So keep your bank accounts and your business in the black.